Hey everybody, Chad Belding back with another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Thank you so much for joining us again. Had some pretty sweet guests this week. They've been uh, interesting to say the least. We went over everything from duck hunting to big game hunting to hunting tactics to cooking tactics, Traeger tactics, Jim Ray, Alex Crosby. Um, We've had guys from California, Oregon, Nevada, South Dakota and Texas in the last few days. And you'll be hearing a lot of those podcasts coming up right here at This Life Ain't For Everybody. Again, thank you for all the support. And today I'm joined by another native Nevadan from Northern Nevada. He's actually been part of our family for a lot of years. And uh, his name is Jared Woodward. He is now what we call a neighbor. He lives less than a mile from us, but he's got an interesting life going on. He's into the outdoors. He's into fatherhood. He's a husband. And he's also a police officer, a public servant. He works for the Reno PD, the Reno, Nevada Police Department. And uh, we're going to get into some of the things that are going on. How you doing today, buddy? Good. How are you doing? I've been doing good. What do you uh, get? You got stuff going for Thanksgiving right now? Oh, yeah. I got everybody coming to my house. Like everybody as in both sides of the family? Both sides of the family come to our house. Really? Like so me, two, 23 people come over tomorrow. Lindy's dad's cool, though. Oh, yeah. Your you dad's get cool. in trouble a lot. Yeah, you yeah. guys get in trouble, especially yeah. on holidays. Yeah, we drink a little bit too much and piss the lights off. <laughs> shoot, <laughs> shoot guns in the backyard. That might happen. Or fireworks. <laughs> Uh, is he is he one of those guys that because you know he's very good with his hands obviously he's built a lot of stuff for me you Lindy your wife he's he's a great woodsman is he is he like that in the kitchen too does he like to get his hands through and come over and take control of the the food and the the fare well I mean he's definitely hands on in the kitchen I don't think he comes over and messes with Lindy's kitchen too much because she'll scream at him. Is she a good cook? She cooks, yeah. But is she a good cook? She she is a good cook. When you ask somebody, is your wife a good cook? And their first response is, well, she cooks. That doesn't necessarily deem that she's a good culinary expert. No, she does cook. I love her food. I mean, it's good stuff. Are you you trying to say in so many words that you you think she's going to hear this and you're afraid to tell the truth? Be honest. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, I got to mess with her. You know how much I, how much I adore Lindy Woodward. Because if, if her food's horrible, I'll tell her it's horrible. This recipe sucks. Don't make it again. Really? Oh, yeah. So she does a lot of different recipes. Are you guys, is she, is she moved into outdoor cooking at all in a Traeger? I know you have, but has she done it or is she mainly in the kitchen? Mainly in the kitchen. She, she I don't know. I'm still trying to break her in on that wild game food she, you know the, the texture the the persona oh it's bad i've had it bad once and so it's all bad it's kind of hard to break some of that but every now and then like when she's over here i'll make her hey try a little bit of this this is a, i mean my kid she's been over here with you guys i mean she'll out eat anybody here wild game wise but mom's a little more difficult to get and your daughter Ainsley is what? Is she eleven now? Yeah, she just turned eleven. Just turned eleven. She's shooting bows, shooting guns. Yeah. Uh, we've had her out on some savage video shoots. She's a uh, she's the personality of the family for sure. Well, she loves it. Yeah, she'll get involved with anything. She's swimming. She's playing softball, volleyball. She loves shooting sports. She loves eating wild game. Has she picked up on anything as far as? wanting to get her hands dirty in the kitchen and cooking or does she prepare, prepare her own lunches and stuff like that she does prepare her own lunches she loves to help mom out um, in the kitchen when mom lets her uh, but yeah I mean not a whole lot yet but she she definitely does her own lunch like we don't do that stuff she fixes her own stuff because she knows what she wants in there see when I was growing up at 11 my dad did it every day 
every day we would go to, we never got to eat hot lunch. You know, back yeah. in the day, it was almost like deemed the cool kid got hot lunch. And now I look at looking back on, I'm like, hell no. Like standing in line for one of those old crotchety shoe French bread pizza deals with the little, little squares of pepperoni. Remember them? Or the horrible cheeseburgers. It was like a hockey puck that they could serve. Yeah. And we all, and, and you know, you look at it and you think that, man, these guys are rich. They're getting hot lunch. And really we were the ones that were rich because it's so much better than <laughs> Wade Platts. And I still talk about it. Like I would open up my brown bag. Didn't even have a lunch pail. Sometimes I had a, I had a Dukes of Hazard, Bo and Luke Duke hood slide, you know, had it, had it for years. Probably now you would probably get kicked out of school for having a Dukes of Hazard lunchbox. As sad as that is to say, but I think at one time I had a Michael Jackson lunchbox too. third grade, Miss Osgood. I mean, I, I mean, I used to wear the glove to school too, because I could cut up. But we would open our lunch boxes and anything that we had the night before for dinner was now made into sandwich fare. Spaghetti, cold noodles with sauce, running out tomatoes, my mom's homemade spaghetti sauce in between two pieces of generic wheat bread. We always had the, you know, the 99 cent loaves of yeah, wheat absolutely. bread. And, and that looking back, it's like, that's the rich kids, right? We were the ones rich. It's so much better than that stuff that they serve at school. Like Ainsley very rarely gets, it's like a pick through the month, you'll get to pick a day or two because there's something special on the menu and she'll pick that. Other than that, it is leftovers. But I look at the stuff that we're able to do now that we weren't able to do when you and I were kids. The thermoses that they have that hold stuff hot for soups in 14 hours. It's like, well, she can have soup or spaghetti or ziti that's left over from the night before or something like that. That's great. Yeah, warmed up. We don't, we didn't get that stuff. It was cold. Yeah. And like my dad would take deer steaks and batter them and he would put flour with the seasonings in them and then he would flash fry them to medium rare and a little bit of oil. And then he'd take purple onions and put them over the top. And it was just the best chicken fried venison steaks ever. And the next day, lo and behold, chicken fried venison steak sandwich in between two pieces of wheat bread. And I remember people like, like Wade Platts and guys looking at the lunch and, 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 and like wanting it, you know, we would trade, I would trade up sometimes. I thought I was trading up for hot lunch and truly they were getting the better part of the deal and now when my daughter says stuff like you know i want hot lunch i'm like no well you wait till you see this sandwich i make you and almost she's a little embarrassed of it and i mean trust me this is this is what pete this is what is going this is like being on the top podium on the gold medal stand right now and you open this up those people are going to be like Where'd you get that? It was like Eddie Murphy, you know? That ain't no McDonald's booger, mom. And I got some <laughs> ketchup soaking through. I got some ice cream. But, you know, that's that's cool is that I, I, see, I see kids that start to make that transition of maybe traditional food or, or stuff that you think kids would really want, like chicken nuggets and chicken fingers and stuff. And then when I ask the Chase and Alyssa and, the, and Ainsley when we're having – cookouts and get togethers and parties, which we do a lot here, your place. Yeah, yeah. The first response, I want duck. <laughs> I want deer. I want elk. I want wild game. And when I hear that, I'm like, that's the way it's supposed to be. Absolutely. It's all natural, man. It's, I mean, go back to the, our great, great, great grandfathers. They didn't go to the store and get a thing of baloney to make stuff or the, the Velveeta cheese. That's not even cheese. Yeah. Or whatever. It was, Hey, you either farmed it or harvested by killing wild game somewhere to eat. That's all they eat. And I think that it's getting back to that of it's cool to do that again, living off the land. I was talking to Jim Ray about it of, 
it is like that hippie attitude that they think that they invented that living organically and living off the land and gardening. And no, man, we've been killing animals and processing them and butchering them and putting them on the table for people to eat for years and growing our own vegetables and figuring out how to mix those vegetables with the, the meats and, and pairing them. And, you know, that's, I, I think it's cool. I, I, I like talking about it because I think it's the coolest feeling in the world to, to walk into an atmosphere or a situation where you you scouted the animal, you tricked the animal, you harvested the animal ethically and legally, you butchered it, you processed it, and you made it into a recipe that now you get to look at people or your kids or your kids' friends or family and whoever and say, that's full circle, man. You guys are eating something that we took a lot of time to go out and do. And that's what being a hunter-gatherer conservationist uh, provider is all about. And I think it's cool that 11 year old Ainsley is a female, a girl that's coming into her own, very beautiful, athletic, going to be a stud athlete. And she eats duck Absolutely. and that's badass. And she shoots guns. I can't wait to get her next, next year. She turns 12. So she's like, when do I get to go actually do this on my own? So I can't wait to get her back up, get her out in there and do stuff. I mean, she's shot little like rabbits and stuff. Has crazy. she killed a rabbit? I think she, she killed one with a, a pellet gun. Did she freak out? Well, she was shocked that she hit it at first because she was young. Um, hit it and it ran off. I'm like, you killed it, it's just not dead yet. Blood out. It blood out, but um, it's still that shock value that oh, I can do this. But she, her big thing is that she wants to eat, eat the deer, eat the elk. Eat the rabbit. Yeah. That's right. If it's yeah. not a jack. Uh, yeah, I mean. Chase, he, you know, Chase is seven. On video, he called in and killed his first coyote with a 22-250 on video with, in, you know, he was in between Alex Crosby's legs with mm -hmm. Clinton Clay there and 89 yards, 22-250, 55-grain bullet from Federal Premium out of the Savage and smoked it. He'll come walking around the corner of my backyard and be like, Uncle Chad, there's a rabbit by the horseshoe pits. Go get the pellet gun and make sure that it's got enough CO2 in it. Like saying stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Bring it to me, I'm gonna keep my eye on him. And he's like, he's like that structured of his stock, his scouting, he goes out and he scouts around the corners and he sees it, that's his form of scouting, looking over one of my shrubs and going, Chad, there's a rabbit. And that's cool as shit to me because, yeah. because he could be, you know, like he, I'm not saying that he doesn't watch some YouTube. He doesn't play some video games and Alyssa doesn't do it, but they love being outside. They love seeing that. They love Alyssa can, you know, Canada goose call with her mouth. Uh -huh. She's seven years old. And she loves doing it. We got, you know, the new, the new, some of the new roads that go through Reno now take you into places where you used to have to go on two tracks or four, four, four wheelers on dirt roads to look at deer. And now because of civilization and development, now you can take your daughter on a regular road and on a regular, you know, regular ride. It's going to happen. You know, as much as we hate to see it happening, it's going to happen. And now it's like every day we go past some of the ag fields and she's like 10 bucks, daddy, double or nothing. $20 since I spot the first deer. And I'm looking hard and she's got good eyes. She's got hawk eyes like my dad used to be. And she's spotting deer, not just, not just standing out in the middle of a freaking alfalfa or winter wheat field. She's spotting deers with her just, yeah. And just their ears sticking up out of sagebrush and stuff. And to me that, I think that that's the most rewarding thing. Not, they don't have to kill anything, which that's going to, you know, that's going to come naturally if they choose to take it that far. But just knowing that they know about wildlife and love wildlife and they're interested in wildlife and wild game and the culinary part of it, the hunting aspect of it, um, you know, they know exactly what we do. 
But you got to get them out. I mean, you got, you the only to. way that they get to that point is getting them out, taking them camping, um, wanting to see that stuff. If, if you keep them in a, an urban environment all day, all they see is cars and stuff. Like when we go camping, that's all she wants to do is go out and check stuff out, go swimming, go get in the lake. Um, my daughter, I love her to death because she is that way. She'd rather be outside, rather go play with friends, kind of like what we did growing up versus glued to the TV, glued to uh, Xbox or something like that, playing video games. That's just not her. That never was me. I played sports. You played sports. I mean, it was dark. It was the only reason that we, we came inside. And I, I remember growing up on... I don't know. The only time we were on blacktop is if we were lucky enough to go to Bonanza for dinner or when we were in the school bus. We rode the school bus. You know, we grew up in an Afro-American black neighborhood called Black Springs. We did everything with mixed cultures and you know mixed ethnic backgrounds, and um, it was just living. We didn't know that there was like you see it today on CNN and all these media BS stuff about the racism. And I'm not saying that it's not there, but it's like back in the day, I wasn't aware of it because it was just part of life. We had Cecil, all of Cecil's grandkids and, and, and JJ and, and Izzy and Robert Vernon and shit, man. I, by the time I was nine, I had the baddest ass piece of cardboard with spray paint graffiti on it and a black light with, you know, with a flicker light. And we were holding breakdancing competitions with freaking the movie from beat it. And, and all and, and breaking breaking part two electric boogaloo and all of the different breakdance movies that we used to watch and that was just part of our culture hanging out on the basketball courts with those guys and and going on dirt roads and they'd come over and hang with us and lizard hunt and catch blueberry lizards or go up to the first reservoir and then you had the second reservoir then the third reservoir up on the mountains and you go rattlesnake hunt with your dad and 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 figure out how to skin a rattlesnake and uncle gary would eat the rattlesnakes you know and that's when i first learned that rattlesnakes still swim around even when they're you know, their skin, their skin comes off. They're still moving around, but you know, that, that, that part of our youth, it's very easy to take for granted because that's just what it was. We, we lived in this and, and, and we grew up poor. Our mom and dads worked their asses off. They got married when they were 20 out of high school. They had three kids by the time they were 24. They were union plumbers and going to nursing school and going to be a teacher and doing what it took to make ends meet. And there was no such thing as money and richness and, and celebrity and, and, and all of the things that you hear about as you grow older. And that's what I think is so cool about Chase and Alyssa and Ainsley and all of their friends that are around your house and this pad and our different properties and camps is that you, you don't, they don't need to know about that stuff. Of course, with the internet now and the access that these kids have, it's our responsibility and job to make sure that they still know those innocent things like we did, like flipping up a board and seeing if there was a stink bug or a lizard under it. Absolutely. You know, and going to see how many blue bellies or horny toads that we could catch or going to Pyramid Lake and seeing how many iguana lizards we catch. That's all we cared about. Mm-hmm. We never once cared about racism or these shootings that you see now I don't don't even remember I don't even think that they occurred it was never a topic that was brought up I mean even the the little bit on the news I mean it's not that was not brought up but the the deal is though Woodward is that when we were growing up in the late, late 80s and 90s my dad and his brother my uncle Mel and your dad and people and your brothers and they had just as many freaking guns as we have right now Oh, absolutely. If not more. If not more, it was the same shit. And now all of a sudden people are like, 
we have too many guns and we have too much violence. It's not, and, and I'm sitting there going, man, something's got to give. Because when I was growing up, it was, it was about what we've been talking about. It was about that motorcycle, that four, it was three wheelers back then before oh, the four wheeler. This yeah. dangerous as those <laughs> So bad you could roll. But you know, now, and now you, you transition that into you being in your late thirties and early forties. And now you're a, you've been a cop for how long now? 14 years. 14 years. So you became a police officer when you were 25. 27. 27. 27 years old. So did you go to the, the, what, what is the first step now? When you, when you talk about law enforcement, okay, there's obviously different ranks within the precinct. You know, you got detectives, you got sergeants, you got colonels, you got, you got officers and deputies and all that. You will go through all that. Maybe not colonels, but you have the other ones that I named. There's more of a military. So for us, like a detective and an officer are on the same level. They're just in a different assignment. Um, so our ranks is the officer, sergeant, lieutenant, commander, deputy chief, and chief. That's, that's our rank system. So the chief of police is the highest you can get in the department. Yeah. And is there a certain amount of time that a chief of police can be the chief of police? Is it a voted in position or is it through the department? So no, they're, they're, uh, I'm not, I wouldn't say they're not appointed there or, uh, put in place by the city manager and the mayor and city council. They're the ones that vote on that and put it. So in. it's not a public vote. No, it's not a public vote. It's not like the sheriff, which they're an elected official. Yeah. Um, where they do that every so many years, they're elected in, um, and then they bring their own command staff through um, to kind of help regulate that department. So 27 years old, though, you're almost 10 years out of high school. Right, right. around 10 years out of high school at that point, you just wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a policeman? No, I mean, I, and I never, I never really thought I would do this as a profession. Um, I started out wanting to kind of follow my dad and my older sister, being an architect and a structural engineer and that. Um, went to school and kind of really went through that and was like, no, nah, this isn't for me. I got a job at a security company here in town and lo and behold, I kind of rolled into running that company. And during that process, doing all the events and stuff like that, I had so many uh, lieutenant sergeants, deputy chiefs that had to go through the, the event planning programs and they kept kind of pestering me and bugging me, hey, you need to apply, you need to come over and work with us. Um, so after so many years of that, I finally just kind of thought, okay, let's try it. Let's see what it's like. I really, it was interesting to me, but um, it wasn't a plan. Like this was definitely not a planned event. Um, so I, I, I took a, a chance and applied and Got hired on and went to the academy. So the academy, is it something that each state has an academy, a police academy to where, like in Reno and, and in Nevada, you have the sheriffs and then you have Reno PD and then you have Sparks PD and then you have Lovelock PD and Fernley PD and Fallon PD and Las Vegas PD. Is the academy, is there one in Nevada or one in, in America that every cop goes to and then you just go to your different cities or is, do they offer them in every county, every city was? So they usually offer them in, in like certain areas. So for us, we have one in, we actually have two up here. One for the state, um, like NHP, and that's a living type academy. Um, and then we had ours. When I went through, we were actually separated from county. So it was... Reno Sparks and UNR, which is the University Police, um, all went through the same academy. Um, and I, I think that was just 
philosophies and things that they thought were different and they just didn't want to be combined. So they broke away. Well, once the recession hit, we went back to a regional academy. So now they call it the Northern Nevada Law Enforcement Academy. So anybody in the North can go through our academy. And what they end up doing is it's, it's post-certified. So you have to do certain things that are required by Nevada Revised Statutes to get certified as a police officer. So these academies, give them that training. Vegas has their own, we have our own, um, and then you go to your respective agency, and then you get whatever specialized little training that is different from agency to agency, um, paperwork and, and that type of stuff, and they give you that portion of it. So you, you, when you go to the academy, is it kind of like a boot camp kind of deal or a military type attitude of, or maybe a, 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 a athletic event tryout to where you're going to be told you got what it takes or you don't? Somewhat. I mean, some of it is, yes. You get sent there and it's kind of like the boot camp like mentality, but it's not as... I would say it's not as harsh. I was never in the military, so I don't know how bad boot camp was. Um, I mean, they, they would they would get on you about messing stuff up and changing things, but it was it, it was to kind of give you the gut checks on a few things to see if this profession is for you. I mean, this job's not for everybody. It isn't. Uh, some people can do it. Some people can't. And is it is it based on? intelligence criteria is it based on strength and conditioning criteria is it based on stamina is it based on mental you know power and willingness to adapt i mean what does it take to become a police officer well it, it definitely deals with both i think the mental side of things um being able to handle the stressors and, and the, the changes in our ever fluid community and, and region and, and politics and all that stuff to the, the educational side of it. Like you have to know, you have to keep up on laws. Um, laws change too. Uh, so it is, it is intellectual. Like there are tests and, and stuff like that uh, going through the range and defensive tactics and the, the driving e side of it to the case law and fourth amendment, search and seizure, all that stuff. It, it combines it all. It's all aspects of that. So what is, as far as you go to the academy and is a lot of it classroom time to where you're learning a law book or do you have to go to college first and have a background in criminal justice? They teach you the law portion in the academy that you need and it's required. Um, the university, I think that only adds to your expansive knowledge to things. Um, but you don't have to have a degree, at least with our department. There are certain departments uh, across the country. I know that like Sparks requires so many college credits or a degree to even apply to them. So if you didn't have that, that assets, you, you weren't able to even like, get into their programs. So when you talk about their programs, is a, is a, a, a university police officer go to the same academy as a city official or a sheriff does, or is, or is it completely different academies and different ranks? No, it's the same. So they, they call it post one, uh, cat certified one, um, or three. So a three can be a jailer, but they can't work the street. 
Cat one, they can actually work the street. And they're the ones making arrests and doing that stuff. Cat threes are the ones that are basically just monitoring jail and um, corrections officers and that, that side of it. So they're the same. They go, you and RPD goes to the exact same academy that I went to. Is it, is it fair to say, I don't want to say safe to say, because that's, that's not what I'm getting at, but is it fair to say that somebody might look at somebody in a university police car in uniform different than they might look at a, a city official uniform, a, a sheriff, you know, you know what I'm saying is like, they're still got a belt on. They still got the pepper spray. They still have the, the, the side piece on, whether it's a nine or a 40 or 45, they still have the handcuffs and the nightstick. Is it safe to say, or fair to say that people look at, a university police different or is it because of a pay grade or is there a difference in that in that ranking i'm sure people look at them differently um because they're they're kind of confined to their uh what's the word uh, their so, campus pretty much yeah i mean their their territory their uh beat their districts their their uh, responsibilities so it's very it's much smaller so I'm sure that people that have dealt with the school police guys or the university guys are going, well, they don't really have that much power. Even though they have the same arrest powers that I have, they just don't deal with as much. So I'm sure they're critiqued in different ways that, oh, they're not as, they're not as good. Um, I don't think there's a, they're exposed to as many things that I am exposed to. I think what you're trying to say is that if you're a university police officer, most of your time on your quote unquote beat is spent on that university property and that campus or within the, the streets surrounding that campus. There might be different speeding zones. There might be different football games going on or a basketball game at night. And they're making, you know, they're, they're patrolling that part of it even though there are a lot of times where city officials are called in because they might not have enough law enforcement in the university level, but you are exposed to not just the area around that certain campus or in, or, or, or in university property, you're, you're exposed to in this area, for example, the, the casinos, the, the whorehouses, the bars, the restaurants, the nightlife, everything that's going on, plus all the highways and all of the, I mean, there's a lot more that can happen within, you know, just not around that certain property property of the university. Absolutely. Like our jurisdiction is bigger than anybody's. I mean, county's jurisdiction goes everywhere and they can, Washoe County is their jurisdiction. We have areas that we've um, taken from them, um, annexed from them so that it's not their responsibility to manage. So our area geographically is probably the biggest in the north, which houses the most people. So we have more cops on the actual street. County has more sworn deputies, but most of them work in jail. So when I want to get this right, if I'm on a if I'm on a, a federal highway, which we do have one that runs through this area, Interstate 80, mm -hmm. which runs through California, Nevada, Utah, all the way across yeah. Wyoming through Nebraska, all the way all pretty, way, all the way pretty much to Maryland. Yeah. Um, if I'm speeding, if I'm doing 80 and a 65, you know, let's say by Boomtown, a sheriff can pull me over on that highway? Absolutely. Can a Reno PD? Yes. Really? Yes. So, so just because there is somebody that's called the NHP, the Nevada Highway Patrol, 
every jurisdiction, can a UNR, can a University of Nevada Reno police officer get you for speeding, even though he's probably not going to have his gun on, but if he sees you fly by him and he knows you're speeding, can he pull you over and at least give you a warning? Absolutely. Because we're sworn for the entire state. So I can take action in Vegas, technically. If I see a crime that's in front of me, I can take action in that. Do we? No. Like I would call in the local guys to end up taking that action um, and making that assessment on, okay, we're going to write them a ticket. We're not going to write them a ticket. Um, but yeah, we could take action in that spot because we're sworn for the entire state, not just the city of Reno, not just the city of Sparks, not just Washoe County, but we have our jurisdictions where that's where we work and that's what we're responsible for. But when you're not on the clock and let's say that you're, let's say you're duck hunting in a small town in Nevada on a Saturday, but you're not in uniform and you're not in your patrol or your squad car. I would would take action, not unless it was life or death type setup. Would it, would it be considered if you're a police officer and you do have your license and your badge, is it, is it a citizen's arrest at that point when you're trying to, or are you getting involved as a citizen or are you saying, Hey, I'm an off duty police officer. You need to stand down right now. Or uh, how would that work? I guess it would just depend on the situation. Like I said, if it was life or death, we would step in as a police officer. Um, if it's something like, Hey, that guy's speeding, I would, I would call him just like a citizen. I'm, I'm, not making the citizens arrest per se because they're going to facilitate. You just tell them you're a police officer. And this, this is what I saw. Yeah, this is what. So, do you have your gun and your badge on you at all times? And when you do, if it is a life or death situation that you do have to step in, how do you show that you really are official? Basically, with that badge, I always have my badge with me. If I'm armed, I have my badge on me. Absolutely. So back to the question before of the speeder by Boomtown and and who can pull him over. I've always wondered this part of it, and you don't have to answer this. It might be something that that is a secret, but if your radar is not on and you're just happen to be in that area where you see a, a 2018 Ford Mustang GTO just roshed out with a freaking V8 in it and it's flying by and you know he's doing well over the speed limit, but you don't have proof. Is there, is that something that in a court of law, you have to prove, or do you pull him over and get in a chase with him, pull him over and say, hey, you're speeding, it's reckless driving, I can tell you're going fast, or do you have to make sure that you have that number identified that he's a certain mile per hour over the legal speed limit? So even with radar, um, they do estimations first. Like, so if I saw a car coming at me, I would estimate that speed. All radar is is to confirm that my estimations Roughly close. So if I, I mean, if I know it's fifteen and you're doing eighty, like it's apparent, like it's so egregious in that aspect, I'm going to still be able to pull you over and write you that ticket for my estimated speed. And then the judge is going to say you estimated the speed, and we we have put our faith and trust in our law enforcement with their intelligence, with their education, and through their through their um, informative process of gaining that information. They we trust them that they estimated that speed to be more than fifty miles an hour. You were putting kids in a school zone in danger. You, you're paying the fine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they would put us like through your training and experiences dealing with this, like you know what this is, you know what that is. Um, and they put you on the stand. I mean, in, in our justice system, you're innocent until proven guilty. So if you want to fight your ticket, you're still innocent until the judge goes, no, if I find reasonable grounds, find you guilty in this based on his statements, the officer's statements, 
that's how it goes. I mean, 100%. You're innocent until a judge or a jury says, nope, we believe that's true. So when I get pulled over and that, and you walk up to me and you say, hey, I got you going, I got you going 47 and a 35, you're 12 miles an hour over. Um, here's your ticket, here's your date to appear in court, or you can mail the check or write in with the credit card, whatever, you, or you know, call in with the credit card. I choose to go to court and fight it. Do you have to show up? Are you notified as this assigning officer of that ticket that I'm going to court and I'm going to fight it? You have to show up in court, or is there a, is there personnel that fights that for them? You have to be there as an eyewitness. I have to be there as an eyewitness because I'm the one that actually saw. It. But if I didn't, if it was me that saw it, but you had somebody else, how can they testify to what was? Seen? Have you ever done that? Absolutely, we testify all the time. So, did, have you ever been found? Have you ever been found like? the judge sided with the with the person and said hey we're not going to give him a ticket um probably two cases in my 14 years do you get laughed at when you get back to the, the department did are they like yeah we're a nice job woodward or how does that work out like you're the man you did this or are they just like that's some bs right there that's bullshit we, we i mean there's loopholes and everything um so with cases or with laws i mean there's so many subsections to every law that goes in there for the most part um and it's just ultimately proving your case. Right? I mean, whether it's on myself for not testifying well, or the prosecution not presenting case well enough to the judge. I mean, sometimes that's what it boils down to is we didn't, we as the state didn't present the case facts and circumstances that would lead a reasonable person to believe that this is what happened. Lead that judge to go, based on testimony and evidence, I believe this is true. So it, it could be a loophole that I didn't check a box, unfortunately, or um, I didn't do this particularly right or to the best, or that the, the, the DA or the city attorney didn't present all the facts in the best case. When you're talking like that, I'm visualizing the different the different steps in you know we're talking about a speeding ticket right here yeah. and and getting you know the judge just you know a guy fighting his speeding ticket no you know I was I was trying to speed up to pass this car and this guy's in the car I'm trying to prove his case but then you go to the next level and then you have assault and then you have assault and battery and then you have grand theft auto and then you have premeditated murder or murder in the first degree and you have these officers that that, that investigate these different cases on different levels and you have these defense attorneys. Mm -hmm that are trying to take the credibility of a city official, a guy that has dedicated his life to, you know, serving the community. He's a community servant is what you are. And, and you choose to be that. It's not like you go into a draft or there's a draft and you say, hey, you're gonna be a cop for the rest of your life. You guys choose this life. And then you have these defense attorneys that are trying to, you know, maybe not manipulate the law is the right word, but you say there's different levels of the law and these defense attorneys are very sharp and they get that. They're gonna find a loophole, but it's almost like you're, you're defeating the purpose of what you guys are doing as cops and, and public servants and police officers and saying, wait a minute, you're out there protecting my family. My daughter goes to a local high school. I'm a defense attorney, but I'm going to make you look like a jackass for pulling this guy over or saying that he killed this guy or saying that he hit this dude upside the head with a broken beer bottle. You see, does that make sense? What I'm getting at is like, why, why would they try to prove your guys' credibility false? hundred percent. And, and at first you take it so personal. It's hundred percent personal. Like you're attacking me. This is bullshit. Like, you know what I do? But so I, I've actually sat down and I was 
my academy, we were trained by a defense attorney. And he's like, hey, nothing personal. All I'm doing is defending this person's rights. Ultimately, he goes, I'm making sure that his case is, is presented fairly in court. It's not up to me to make sure that he's prosecuted or not. Like, that's up to the judge or the jury. So if you didn't, as the state, myself included, the DA, the city attorney, and, and all of the municipalities, like the, the coroner's office, whoever, if they didn't present the case right, how can you prove, even though my guy might have done it, how, how, can you, how can you punish him if you didn't prove that he did it? It's just weird to me to think, though, that I don't, I, I just, I, I guess I wonder all it's the hard. time. Yeah, I think I wonder all the time, like, I'm not trying to sit here and say that being a defense attorney is a, is a profession that is so unethical. <laughs> or just, yeah, I'm not saying that. I get it. A lot of those guys are just badasses. There's, there's a lot of stories out there that you, that, that people are being freed from prison that never did it because a new defense attorney took the case or, um, you know, but what about the other side of it that this guy did it and you're still trying to find a loophole, mm-hmm. a loophole in, 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 in getting him a lesser sentence, a lesser charge, a deal with the other side, with the prosecution of saying, hey, you know, it just it's always never sat right with me to where I love the idea of negotiation. I love the idea of sitting across the table from somebody and being able to uh, come up with a deal, a scope of work and saying it's worth this much or that much and I'm willing to do this and you got to do this and here's the deliverables and here's everything that's going to happen in this deal. And that's almost, I look at it, I'm like, I don't think I could do that with my, you know, ethically, if there's even an opportunity that this individual smoked this person or beat this dude to death or whatever the deal, it's just always, it's always a, a weird deal to me that there's somebody out there that will defend somebody when they're guilty as hell. Yeah. I mean, I guess I get that too. And in talking to the good ones, they're like, it's a job. He goes, they all tell you, I want you to prove him guilty if he is guilty. 100%. Because I don't want him out there. I don't want him out there possibly going to kill my wife or my kids. Then the, the, are you telling me right now that there's got to be some holes? I mean, there's, what, what do you mean that I want you to prove him guilty? If, if you, it's a job for them. I mean, so I, so they're innocent until proven guilty. hundred percent. And but their job is to protect everybody's rights in that aspect where, Hey, you know what? As a police officer or whatever, or the state, they violated your rights in, they questioned you wrong with uh, versus Miranda that you were interrogated, not giving your Miranda rights or, or you were seized unjustly. They're there to protect those rights as well. It's a, it's a checks and balances. I, it's definitely not perfect. I mean, the, the justice system is nowhere near perfect. Um, show me one in the entire world that is perfect. And I'll, I'll tell you, there's gotta be some flaw. Do we, do we mess up? Absolutely. I would say cops mess up, DAs mess up, defense attorneys mess up. They bring up the wrong question and sometimes it's the wrong part. So so there's human error. Absolutely. There's always going to be, because there's humans involved. We're always going to have human error and everything. Human error and even your work, like, oh man, I called the birds too early. I called the the shot too early. 
We only killed two birds. Yeah, but that duck's not on freaking death. Well, I guess he is on. He's death. on death row. <laughs> but, but I'm not. I mean, I, I just it's it's a weird it's a weird deal to me that that there's somebody actually out there that can prove somebody that did a violent crime like that innocent, and that that guy can walk. And but I guess that that's the chance you take in anything with the way that our government has been set up since the Declaration of Independence is you, you are innocent until proven guilty. I guess with the stance that a lot of people that I run with in my circle is why do so many people get the chance to get in that position? And is the law too lenient that make people go, I'm going to go out there and try this. Hear me out. If, if one guy is proven guilty in a murder case and he gets the ability to go to, to a you know, court of law and be judged by his peers and a jury, um, a defense attorney comes in and proves him innocent, even though he did it. Is that telling the rest of the, the people that have the ability to go murder that, hey, I can get away with it, too? Is it, is it, or is it something, I don't know if I'm getting into too touchy of a subject, but it seems to me that if there's just a slap on the wrist and that there is a chance that I can get off of this deal, I'm going to go do it. I, I, I mean, I'm sure there is to a point, but you and I think the logically, the ethically side of it, because that's where our parents raised us. You screwed, screwed up and you haven't asked for it before, right? Right. Um, I think in today's day and age, there's not a lot of people that are holding their kids accountable and so they're raised and they get to be adults and now it's like, well, I have to do whatever I want as a kid, so I can't do whatever I want now. So I think they push the limits. I do. I think they, okay, let's do this. Nothing happened. All right. Step it up a notch. Nothing happened. Okay. Step it up a notch. Nothing happened. What do you mean nothing happened? They got arrested and they didn't get in that much trouble? Or they didn't get caught. But what about the ones that do and there's not much? And the reason I'm asking is that if maybe I'm, maybe I'm too old school and people can hate me for saying it, but my kids will never take a scan, can of spray paint and spray your fence. Oh, absolutely. Now I'm saying that there might be a mistake and they might take their, their, their asphalt or their concrete chalk, you know, the chalk that you can write on cement with, and they might mark up your driveway on accident, you know, and they're playing with your daughter. That's kids. But to, to, go, to go mark up gang signs on a fence or on somebody's private property or on electrical boxes or on these bridges or on these sides of buildings that somebody invested in, a, a people got together and said, hey, we're going to take this piece of property, we're going to build this building, and then all of a sudden there's all this graffiti on it because it's cool, it's art, right? It's it, Right, I get it, okay. And then you get caught and um, slap on the wrist. You, you, yeah, you marked up some private property. I'm like, if you take that individual and teach them right then and there that if you get caught smoking or I mean smoking my property or messing with my property that I've worked my ass off to attain in life, mm -hmm. not to mention the fact that you're coming on to private property that's not your right, and they just get a little slap on the wrist, and the next thing that goes off in their head is oh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to steal this dude's car and I'm going to, I'm going to go park it over here. But before I leave it, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to break the windows out. I'm going to take the tires and the stereo out of it. And then to me, it's like when I would get in trouble and I would get an ass whipping, I'd be like, man, I don't like that. Yeah, if I said the word suck in front of my mom and my dad flicked me in the back of the ear, now you probably go to prison for flicking the kid in the back of the ear. Right. But my dad would flick me in the back of the head and 
I don't give, I'm glad he did because oh, I want I want to make sure that when I go into a public area now, I say the F word. I talk, I tell stories. I cuss. I'm not perfect by any means, but I'll be damned if I go into a Denny's at seven o'clock on a Thursday evening and there's a couple in there that's been looking forward to their 55 and older AARP discount all week and they got the freaking Grand Slam skillet or whatever it's called. And they're going to sit there and listen to me run my mouth and say the F word, every other word in the booth next to them. I'm not going to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I think that there's a place for everything, right? So yeah, but that's because you're rational, Chad, and you're, you're, you're responsible. There's a lot of people that are, that aren't, that they just don't care about anybody else other than themselves. But then we've got all the, the constitution, the first amendment. Um, the so it's wrong to have the ideology that let's just get rid of them, take them out in the ocean and drop them off and let the sharks eat them. That's a bad thing to say. It's probably not going to work. So it's okay for my mom or my grandma to go into a Denny's and have the F word said every other word because this guy wasn't wasn't disciplined the right way or slapped on the wrist enough? I'm not saying that it's right or that it should happen. Um, and, and there's there's certain avenues that we can end up taking in that aspect, like uh, what we call disturbing the peace. Hey, you're disturbing me. Um, but it's like we were talking about earlier, there's levels of crime. So there's misdemeanors, gross misdemeanors, felons, right? Well, obviously that doesn't fit the felony crime. so. If they had nothing on their record, they're probably going to get told not to do this again, to pay a, a small fine and go about their business. The, the hard part is they get told do community service or whatever, and their community service isn't, it isn't enough. I do think that some punishments need to be greater than they are. But then we run into this issue. I, and this is my personal opinion, obviously. Um, no way, shape, or form does it adhere to anybody else's. But if we did that with everybody, if it's like, okay, you did this, you got to go to jail, you got to go to prison. At some point in time, our prisons are full, our jails are full. Now, what do we do? Uh, <laughs> the shark idea was a bad idea. It's not going to work in the in the scheme of their rights. It's not going to work because that's not in the Constitution that hey, we get to throw you out in the sharks for spray painting somebody's property. But don't you think that if you took the mentality of Texas in 1933 and there was a tall tree with a rope hanging from it, and people <laughs> knew, people knew what they were going to get. And if you made sure that somebody that did it, got it, and people that didn't, or that people that, you know, were thinking about it, saw that the person that did it, got it, and they knew that he got it, and that if they do this, they're going to get it too, you don't think that that would stop people from saying, you know what, if I, if I mark up this electrical box for this dude's fence, I'm going to get my hand cut off. If I steal this dude's car, I'm going to get my right foot cut off because now I'm not going to be able to press the gas pedal anymore. I'm not saying to go that extreme and cut off their hand and cut off of their foot, but if you just give them a citation and they get to go get a defense attorney and they get off of it, of course they're going to be like, dude, I can get away with more. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm just, I'm playing the devil's advocate of the defense, the defense system. I love this country. I love the freedom. I love that we get to live the lives and, and, and have the chance to do what we get to do in life, whether it's entrepreneurial business, whether it's become a nurse or a soldier or a teacher or whatever or not have a job at all. 
I don't care. All I'm saying is that if you break the law and you intentionally hurt somebody or destroy somebody's property, I'm just thinking logically, you should get punished. You should get punished to the point to where you're never going to do it again. I remember one time when I was at a freaking buffet and I the, I went to the bathroom and the the waitress took my plate away before I got back and I wasn't done with some of my food. I threw a fit and my dad looked at me like, "Are you kidding me?" and I still kept throwing a fit. I got my ass whipped. Mm-hmm with a belt, not afraid to admit it with a belt. And I never once ever did that again. And I'm like, I don't want to get my ass whipped with that belt ever again. It hurt like an SLB. It's to me, it's common sense. If you do it and you get enough reprimand or enough discipline, you're not going to do it again. Absolutely. But going back to that, when we're talking about our kids, there's a lot of parents out there, in my opinion, they don't punish their kids because they don't want to get in trouble. The state of Nevada is a corporal punishment state. Like, if you spank your kid, you're fine. The, 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 it, as long as it's a punishment, like for doing something bad, if you're just beating your kid, that's the issue that the state has. So, but there's a lot of parents that honestly, they call us to raise their kids. In the aspects of, I'm not going to discipline them, you guys discipline them. Well, explain that to me, please. So ultimately, like, hey, let's say your kid did, wouldn't, wouldn't do the dishes. I literally would get called because the kid won't do the dishes. The parent will call us and go, you have to tell this kid to do the dishes. Seriously. No, there's no, there's a, over, over dishes, they say this. Oh, I'm telling you right now, I've had, I've had a parent call us, my kid won't get a haircut. And you and I both know if, if that would have happened, we'd have got the crap kicked out of us, but we got spanked. Yeah. And our dad probably would have held us down and cut our hair. Yeah. No problem, right? Right. Well, these kids today, they, they just are defiant against parents or their guardians or whatever. And they, they, they don't think that the parents have any power or, or I'm here to educate the, the parents want to go to those calls? Absolutely. You guys are the ones that should be disciplining these children for not doing what they should be doing. Um, and hey, if, if it's a, a spanking, absolutely. Go right at it. They need to be disciplined. They need to know that they're the boss. Because if, if there isn't some form of discipline, when they become older, and I try to discipline them, it's the same thing, they're in the same mindset or the stance that, well, my parents can discipline me, why can this guy discipline me? Why can this cop, why can this judge discipline me? The person that brought me into this world can't discipline me, why should this person be able to? And, and that's where it starts, in my opinion, that the parents should be raising their kids. They, they, they shouldn't be having a teacher discipline their kids. I mean, I'm telling, I guarantee you, if you would screwed up at school, the, the teacher wouldn't have had to discipline you because your mom and dad would have been there to discipline you. That's how we were raised. And that's, in my opinion, that's how the, all the kids should be raised, but they're not. There's so many parents that they want the hands-off effect or they don't want, they want, don't want to be the bad guy. They want somebody else to be the bad guy. Well, it, it, I think it, attributes to our problems with kids that are growing up that cause problems. So it starts with the parenting. If you start off with heavier discipline, mm-hmm. 
the chances of them being a little bit more timid or scared to go to the next level of, of, of crime, I think would be common sense would tell you that they'd be lessened. That's all I'm simply asking. I'm just, I'm just asking questions here. Absolutely. I, I, and to a point I agree with you, like, I mean, we need everybody to be a contributing factor to society. Hey, you got a job, you're paying taxes, you're doing your part to make this community, this nation better. I mean, we should always want better. You want better for your daughter than you had, right? For and sure. Your, your daughter should want better for her kids if she has kids than she got. Because if we can make that step, how much better is this nation going to be if we can keep progressing better? That's, I mean, that's, that, that should be our common goal. So there are people that I believe that aren't contributing factors to society because they make it, they made a choice. I'm not going to do that. I don't care. Why should I do that? You should give me stuff. No, 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 no. Work for what you have. Make, it's a pride thing to me. Like I tell people all the time, heaven forbid I lose my job or something happens and I don't work for the police department anymore. I will tell you right now, by the end of the week, I'd have more jobs or I'd have another job at least to help take care of my family. I'm not looking for a handout. There are a lot of people that are just, hey, I'm not, I don't care that that's the, the progression, I, that you want me to get a job, you want me to do, that's not me. I don't want to do that. Okay, that's your choice, but don't expect somebody to take care of you. Why should we take care of that situation? So the contributing factor, like going back into the law side of it, hey, these guys are making decisions that they know are against the law. They know that they're bad, they're, it's a bad decision. They need to suffer the consequences, ultimately. I do think that sometimes we are too lenient on crime. So is it, is it, is it okay for a, a, a public servant like yourself that's been on the police force for 14 years to say that? Or you, or you, I mean, or, it, that's my opinion, obviously. I mean, I, do I think that some people should be held to higher crimes? Absolutely, 100%. I think everybody should be punished. I mean, everybody's broken the law. There's no way in in hell that you can say that you've never broken the law. Have you said in this state it's a law? Like a lot of other states, it's infractions. Ours, it's a misdemeanor crime. If you were caught speeding, it's a misdemeanor crime. Have, have you committed a crime? Absolutely. And you know what? If I get caught speeding, I'll take my punishment. I'll take my lips. Yeah, I screwed up. That's the way it should be. A lot of people want to point the fingers at other people. Hey, this is their fault. It's it shouldn't be that way. That's not the way the law should be. Okay, change the law and then they do that. But they don't. They they don't want to take responsibility for their actions. They want to point the finger at other people. Um, and, and I guess that's for me where I'm like. I think we should punish people for certain crimes. I mean, I mean, we've obviously had people across the nation that have been found guilty of homicide, murder, uh, whatever, and they've done their time that that state or court has given them. They've, they've done their punishment for that crime. They've gotten out and it really didn't change them. They go right back to committing crimes. Yeah. Well, at some point in time, I, I think we have to go, all right, you've made a conscious decision to go, I don't care about your loss. 
I'm going to do what I want to do. And, and we need to protect our community and the, the others. Because, because there's, um, let me, there's um, premeditated first degree murder, then there's second degree murder, and then there is manslaughter, and there's all these different levels of murder. Mm-hmm. You make the decision to take somebody's life. Like there might be some, there might be a case to where, you know, and I'm throwing out, you know, if you got a good self-defense claim and somebody comes into your house and you smoke them and it's self-defense on your property, or, you know, somebody pulls a gun on you in a public parking lot and you're legally carrying a piece and you defend yourself, that's completely different. If you are in a position that you have the decision not to make you know, not to kill somebody, but you kill them. You go to that extent of the law to where you kill them. Like it blows my mind that manslaughter can get you eight years. Second degree can get you 50 years. Premeditated first degree can get you life without parole. But this guy that did manslaughter still had this evil spirit or this evil mind to kill somebody, but he can be fixed in jail or prison or federal penitentiary and get out. It's you're still taking that on. You, you actually killed somebody. Mm-hmm. I, I've always, you know, I watched this show called the first 48 on A&E and I, you know, I love it. Like it's the baddest ass TV ever made in my opinion. And I watch these homicide investigators and what they go through. And, 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 and then a lot of the reruns that aired back in like 2009 through 2014 or whatever, you watch them and they always have updates at the end of them of what that guy got, because now it's been years later to where they went to, you know, they went to court and they got their discipline or they got off. And I'm like, you gotta remember that episode, man. That dude lit this street up with a newsie. He got eight years, and then I'm like, that defense attorney found a loophole. And I'm like, how in the freak can somebody kill somebody and be out in 12 years? And then they come out, and then the next deal, you know, is like, well, you know, he was he got out, and he remembered this address of this person, and he did it again. Mm-hmm. Is it is it is it bad to think that? manslaughter is still murder and you don't deserve another chance. Why do you get another chance? Well, yeah, but so manslaughter is just involuntary. Like, like let's say I was driving down the street and I'm, oh, you're saying manslaughter. So involuntary manslaughter, manslaughter, totally two different things. But the, the intent is not there like you're not okay then give me an example of i know involuntary manslaughter you might be speeding and hit a car and kill somebody in there and you didn't mean to kill him you didn't intend it but manslaughter is different than that manslaughter is that you're acting in um what what they would deem as the legal side of things so like hey you're you have the right to defend yourself but you carry it just maybe a second too far and punch them one more time or grab a bat and hit them once so you were attacking me, and I took it one maybe step too far. But you, but you couldn't prove that it was self defense. Well, the first portion of it might have been self defense, but that's what I'm saying. You took it too far to the point where, hey, you're not attacking me anymore, and I give you one more blow just to be like, you're a jerk for doing this. That's where you start getting the difference in the degrees. The premeditated. Murder is that, hey, like I'm like, I'm waiting for this person to come out of church and I'm going to go in and I'm going to shoot him or I'm going to go inside. I've got all what I need and I'm going to go inside and kill this person. You premeditated that where manslaughter could be, hey, this happened. Like they'll talk about crimes of passion. You walk in, something happened in your house, walk in on your girl playing with somebody else and something happens. 
That's where they can. That's where they can get into the manslaughter. Did you commit the crime of murder? You killed somebody, but it was based on these facts. It's it's just different. Like each each state will have different laws in their manslaughter or involuntary manslaughter. The premeditated murder is pretty much clear cut. You planned on going in and killing this person for X, Y, and Z. I, so I walk in and catch my wife cheating on me and I beat the shit, hell out of the dude until he dies. Even though she's just as guilty and I don't touch her or whatever, you know, I still make the conscious decision to beat the guy in the pulp to the point where he dies. That's manslaughter because he, he's in my residence. He, I caught him in, or does it change if they're in a hotel room and I follow him there and I know that my wife's doing something bad and then I go into that hotel room? Yeah, does it you, matter where you're at? Because you know what you're going in to do. Like, let's say you and I get in a barroom fight. Right. And I punch you and you fall and hit, this, hit a stool and die. Well, I'm still in the act of committing a crime. Like, I came up and I'm, I'm mad at you for doing whatever and I punch you and you die from it, they can charge you with manslaughter because you're committing a crime at that point, which caused death. Hmm. And so normally what happens for us as police officers or detectives in that role, we will charge open murder or open homicide for certain crimes like that. And we leave it up to the DA or the ADA to do what charge they're going to go with based on the totality of the case, all the evidence that's presented to them. They're going to go, well, this first degree, second degree fits better. One of those two fits better. So I'm going to go with this one. But we'll charge open murder so that it leaves that DA the realm of, hey, this is what fits. I'm going to charge them with this. The DA is actually the one that gets to, to, to determine what the charges. Is the DA a former cop? No, he just he's educated in law. So he's a, he's an attorney. He's an attorney. Mm-hmm. So he, he he does the prosecution side for the state. So you, as an investigator or a, a, a the the police officer that went and responded to this. You go, you guys work with the DA and you give him your case. Here's how much proof we have. Here's the evidence that we have found. You put that all together in a case and he goes, it's not there yet. You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to take more time. You're going to have to figure out something else because right now all you have is there's a good chance that this guy killed that person, but all you have right now is circumstantial circumstantial or something like that. So now you got to go back and say, all right, I got to, you know, and then, and then, you know, you take a chance of the case going cold. You, you, you know, it's just, it just blows my mind that how complex it is. And that it's taken, to me, it's almost as if law enforcement is taken lightly now in our communities, in our country, almost to the point to where it's like people want to get them disrespected or they want to show them that, hey, these guys are worthless. It almost is hurtful, in my opinion, that it gets to that point where People are looking down at our public servants who are out there putting their lives on the line and, and trying to protect us. It, it, that it's it's looked at now is is it still a respectful 
career? Is it still a respectful lifestyle, a way to make your livelihood and, and raise your family? Or is it almost to the point to where people look at it like it's not even taken seriously anymore with, with the way with with what's gone on in our in our country lately? I mean me personally, I think our community is awesome and they do support us and they do back us. I'm sure there's areas across the country that we've seen on the news and stuff like that that they're not respected um, based on the demographic population that lives there. I mean, I don't believe that you should be able to do that. That's their beliefs. Um, a lot of times they're not, they're not happy with the court decisions. Um, so they aren't taking lightly. There's a lot of it that they're trying to set up officers and bait them into doing something that they shouldn't do. Um, it's a profession like anything else. There are good cops that do what they're supposed to be doing, and there are people that have stretched the laws or broken the laws, and they need to be punished. Me personally, like I, I don't like it that we have cops out there that are bad. Just like we don't have doctors that are good. Like we have attorneys that are bad. Like we have Wall Street guys that, that do bad things. Politicians, whoever. I mean, you consciously make the decision to do bad. So are, do these cops that you are quoting of saying they're bad, do they come into it with the mindset that they're already bad? Or have they developed such a skin and such a mentality over the years of seeing what happens in, in the, the normal public might not see, you know, the crimes, the, the things that yeah. go on, what people can do, the bad side of people, the evil side of people, do they develop this mentality or do you have to stay so neutral to where you got to, like you're saying that you're so neutral after seeing all this bad in the last 14 years, not that you haven't done good, not that you haven't served the community in a lot of positive ways, but you see some bad. Mm -hmm. You're saying that your job and your mentality and your maturity state has to be like, no matter what I see, no matter how bad I see the evil that people can be, because people can be evil. It's proven. You see it as a cop more than anybody. You're saying that you got to stay neutral and just be like on the job, on the beat every day of saying, I can't pass judgment. I got to stay within the reins of the written documents. We should 100%. I'm not saying that it's not difficult some days. There are days where you're dealing with a guy that's beat up a little kid or sexually molested a little child that you just want to beat the holy crap out of that person. And you know, I mean, it's proven. They've confessed, yeah, I did it. And you really want to take the chair and just beat the holy shit out of them. You can't. It, it, it doesn't do justice to that victim. Yeah, I beat this guy to a holy pope. Now he's going to get off for it. Because I beat the crap out of him. Yeah, now they're going to find a loophole to get you yeah. in trouble. And, you're, you're in and then that, that victim is not helped. One, the next victim's not helped. Because now I let that guy out. So that's the mindset that you have to get So you're telling me that you can... You can you can molest a kid or, or, or treat a kid bad poorly as far as, you know, in that reign of the law and get a second chance. That, that really happens. Like happens. to me, you know, you hear people that, you know, they have to go in and, and um, register themselves. And mm -hmm. is it, is it, is it a bad feeling in a person to say you don't deserve another chance? If you had that in your head, mm -hmm. if you had that thought in your head and you followed through with it, the audacity to take advantage of a, of a kid, you are telling me that that person gets to wake up in a normal bed and put his feet on normal ground and walk around normal communities again. To me, I'm just like, you know what? That's not cool, man. You had an opportunity to do right. Yeah, you're right. Well, he wasn't raised right. 
okay, well, there's a lot of people that weren't raised right that still made good. Absolutely. Why is it that everybody gets a second chance and a third chance and a fourth chance all the freaking time? It's just our justice system in that aspect. Are you allowed to say that? Are, are you allowed to, can you as a public servant be like not in agreement of everything that our law stands for under the constitution of the United States of America and uh, in the different municipalities, the different counties, the different cities, the different towns, uh, everything. Oh, I, I, like I said, I don't think the justice system is perfect. I think there are issues with it. Um, and, and some of it goes back to case laws that we've had or judges, uh, interpretations on the laws or, or that, that they made that decision based on this. Um, I'm sure there's somebody that's going to tell you that somebody can be rehabilitated. All right. Well, some people can't because they're going to make that conscious effort to make a better decision. There's other people out there that are like, I don't care. I'm going to make, I make bad decisions. I don't care what the laws are. You can't control me. So those, to me, those are the people that yeah, we're going to give a second chance to, and they're going to go out and commit the exact same crimes. Do, do we deal with them? I deal with them repeatedly. So really, it's just an open-ended conversation that really doesn't have a right answer. It's just the way it is. It, it is the way it is. So people would say, well, if you're going to bitch about it, get involved and vote. Well, I vote. And a lot of the things stay the same as far as the, 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 the criminal justice system I don't want to get into politics. I'm just simply asking why are there so many second, third, fourth, fifth chances given when we know, we damn sure know when somebody's a detriment to society and they get another chance and the next thing you know, you're like, well, dude, we knew that he's been called out before. The cops have been called out before on him. We know that he's been gone through this. And the next thing you know, he shoots up a nightclub in Florida and we're like, the bell didn't go off the first eight times, that the, but they're not allowed to do anything because your guys' hands are tied by the jurisdiction of the law, and now they go. it's escalated. And I've, I, I guess there's no right answer, and I'm not going to sit here and try to be the, the, the guy that goes, well, he deserves death, and he deserves this. I'm just saying, like, nobody deserves to be put in fear like that. If I want to go dance at a nightclub or go run around a playground in middle school or inside my science room in an elementary school, I should never even have the thought that something bad can happen and it's happening. And I think the wrong message is sent a lot of why it's happening. And I'm just, I just want to get, you know, you know, not to the bottom of it cause that would take a long time. And I'm probably nowhere near the intelligence level to do that. I'm just saying that it's not necessarily the gun's fault. It's not necessarily people that, own guns and, and responsible gun owners fault. Why is it happening more? It seems like it's happening more. I don't even know if I'm educated enough historically, which I do know quite a bit about history, especially United States history. I would bet money that mass shootings are higher now than they've ever been, but I, I don't know that for sure. It seems like they happen in our country way more than they happen in other countries in just regular public places. Again, I don't have any hard evidence to support that. I would say I have hard evidence either, but obviously what you're seeing on the news and, and across our country, it, it's got to be up. I mean, go back to when we were kids. Did but 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 we never watch the news either. No. I watched Tad Dunbar and yeah. the freaking Friday Night Lights, but I didn't watch. I did not watch Dan. You know, 
Walter Cronkite and Peter Jennings and, and Tom Crocaw back in the day. I knew that they were there, but I, I guess I was too busy playing football and putting pads on mm-hmm. and trying to hit home runs and, and kiss a girl. Then I, but now you pay attention to it. Was it going on back there? I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't think it was in the amount that it is now. The Absolutely. Massive I don't think so. Absolutely. I don't think so. I mean, I, it, ever since Columbine, it's been on a rise. I'm sure. Columbine was the first like school shooting. When was that? 90, mid 90s? Was it the late 90s? Like yeah. So 96, 99, somewhere right in that area. I wonder if we're right. I wonder if, if it really is on the rise and it's almost the other thought that crosses my mind when you think about it is are people trying to one up people because of the media and the way that these people that are doing it are portrayed? Is it almost celebritized or whatever the word is if you do it and you get put on the cover of Time Magazine or you know uh, USA Today or the New York Times and I remember the picture of the guy that shot up the theater I think it was during the Batman movie in in Aurora, Colorado outside Mm -hmm. of Denver and it was almost like he was a celebrity like hey look at me I made it to the prime time I smoked this many dudes or I was a coward and I went into a dark theater with an automatic weapon and opened fire and put all these innocent people that wanted to see Batman and Robin and the Joker eating their popcorn and drinking their cherry cokes with crushed ice and now they're in fear it's bullshit I do think though that they're trying to become celebrity status because we do we as society we want to we want to document that we want not maybe not document it but publicize that like hey this is what's going on this is what happened well we talk about it for three four five six weeks instead of presenting that news but we want to go through every little piece of their history so you are i mean and their faces everywhere and, and, and what if all what, talk about what, for weeks we've caught them and they're in captivity just blur their face out so nobody knows. We don't have to be scared of them anymore. It's not like you go, hey, if you see people that look like this, be careful. Yeah. Don't celebritize it. Don't make it like these guys are something. Well, they're cowards. Someone, they're cowards. Most what of them do. are dead. They're cowards. Yeah, they're cowards. Probably said they're cowards because for the most of them, they're not going to go do that at a police station or, or a place where there's somebody that's going to retaliate against them. They go into areas looking for unarmed Innocence. That's what they're looking for. It's easy targets. If you go to a school, what's not allowed at school? Weapons. How can you not be scared in our communities anymore that a kid that was teased and bullied, which bullying has been going on forever and in no way, shape, or form is it right. But you know what? Deal with it. It happens. We we all have been bullied in one way or the other by the big wig. It's not right, but that doesn't mean that you go shoot up to school the next day because you got bullied. You got fired from a job because you're insubordinate or you didn't make it on time or you called in sick too much and, you're, and your boss made you feel like lesser of a person. Well, it's his, his right to fire you. Take responsibility. Take responsibility of your job and that you didn't do it right. You got fired. So what be it? People have been getting fired since the history of the beginning of time, since the beginning of the workforce. You don't just walk in there and shoot up the place because you got teased at work or you got fired at work. These guys that went into this Christmas party down in Grancho Cucamonga or Santa Barbara, where it was a couple years ago, and shot up the Christmas party. It's almost like 
Is it worth going out in public anymore? Is it worth going to your company Christmas party anymore? Are you supposed to live in fear? Are you supposed to make sure that you have a concealed weapons permit or an open carry permit in the states that it's allowed? Or what what can you do and can't you do anymore? Can you go into a freaking port of subs and order a sub sandwich and sit there with your seven year old and not live in fear that somebody that just got fired from that sub sandwich shop last week is gonna come in there and smoke up them, smoke the place? I, I'm just asking questions because that's what goes through my mind when I drive into communities and I drive into my community and my neighborhood and my property. I saw a car and I called a, a, a police buddy of mine that lives by me two nights ago, driving very slow up and down the street at about 8, 8.30 p.m. And was it, what's the word when you, when you like put somebody in a group and you automatically assume or well, you're stereotyping yeah, it was it stereotyping and I wasn't, I was just like, man, that's weird. He went up and he turned around. I didn't even know if it was a he, maybe they were looking for an address. There was a Christmas party, but I was like, man, it's dude. I was like, man, I'm defending myself. I'm, I'm living because of what happens and people have no sense of responsibility. I'm like, I'm going to protect myself. And, and I, and I know that's my right to do so, but I was like more scared and more put off to where maybe I shouldn't have been by what I saw, but I was, am I paranoid? I don't know. Is there a sense of paranoia in our country now because of how easy it is to turn on the news and see this school got shot up, this country bar got shot up, this country music festival in Vegas got shot up when Jason Aldean's on the stage and this coward goes up and opens fire mm-hmm. on all these people because he lost a bed or he lost some money or he was picked on or he was depressed. And or he just wanted to do it. Or he just wanted to do it. Like, uh-huh. what does it take, man? It's like, are you kidding me? You're going to bring guns up 30 stories and break out a window and smoke innocent people watching somebody sing about flyover states? But I don't think that a logical person can get into that mindset. I really don't. Like, you wouldn't want to take somebody's life. So getting in his mindset, probably very difficult. Like, hey, this is why. He lived in a freaking retirement community behind gates and was very successful. What is his mindset? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So how would you, how could we go, well, this is why I did it. Or this is. Who cares? He did it. He he offed himself or whatever. I don't know what the conspiracy theories are that are out there that he didn't off himself. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't know, but I'm just saying, like, do I want to go to a country music festival anymore and and take the chance of somebody, quote unquote, one upping him? Or is it right to live in fear or is it not right to live in fear? You got to keep going. Let's go to the music festival. Let's let's have that event again. What, what is that promoter thinking? Can I get can I do this again? If I invest this much money and spend all this money on security and fencing and portable yeah. toilets and, and apps and staging and audio equipment and lighting and everything. And then I got to have Vegas close down all these streets and that costs money. And I got all this investment in it. And then this dude comes in here and shoots the place up. Can I ever go back? Do I have the balls to try that again? That hurts your entrepreneurial spirit as well. And I'm not taking anything away from the families that lost loved ones in that deal. Cause we had friends that were hit. You had friends that were a part of that deal. Do, would I go to a country fest again? I've asked myself, I haven't been to one since. I haven't been, I've been to concerts. I've, I've, I've done it. I don't know. I don't think you can live in fear. Um, I think you got to prepare yourself and, and, and like, hey, look around, um, be aware of what's going on. Okay. So look, look around where, turn around and look 30 stories up from 700 yards away. But I'm just saying, put yourself in the best positions. Um, put, know what's going on. If this happens, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. But Jared, you have 
Yeah, I know. 15,000 people within four inches of each other's shoulders. Some shoulders are touching. There's nowhere to go, bro. But I'm, I'm also putting that on us as police officers. We should be taking care. Like, we should be making sure that you're in the best environment that we can. So the, concil- so the concierge of that hotel should have known that no, all no, those no, cases no. that they were bringing in there were loaded no, with no. weapons? I'm saying that we should take, like, since then, I will tell you right now, we take measures even one step further. And since 9-11, we take them in, if, yeah. you know, to, to not make, we, to make sure that to. that doesn't happen. We have to. And, and so that's what I'm saying. I don't think you should live in fear, but um, obviously it's going to be in the back of everybody's mind. Like, Oh, is that guy got a gun? Is that guy got a gun? Is that guy going to try to hurt me? I don't know. I don't know where you go with that, but I, I put some of that on us as police officers. We've got to take take our game to the next level. And, and us as, as, as people that aren't police officers have to support you guys and put our trust in you in, in the police force and your guys' different precincts and offices of saying, hey, they got our backs. They got us. I know you do. I know that you guys are going to put yourselves in harm way for us to protect us and the, the right, the right, you know, mentality or ideology is not to ever look down on police force. Yeah, we're going to get in trouble once in a while. They're going to pull me over and give me a ticket, but that doesn't mean they're pricks. That that's just their job because um, uh, speeding can put somebody's life yeah, in danger. Absolutely. You know, if you don't take care of it, drunk driving, mm-hmm. assault and battery. You break a beer bottle on a bar, and somebody gets hit with it, and an innocent victim, you know, get, gets gets hurt as well. There's always repercussions and responsibilities that are going to come, and consequences that are going to come with your actions. I just, I, I'm just hoping that something gives because it just seems like in 2018 and we're going in, you know, the end of our calendar year of 2018 going into 2019. And I, again, I'm not a, 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 a true historian, but I can't think of, of, of a time where more was going on to where it seems like every month something's happening to the point to where it's un. On um, you, it's you. It can't be stopped. It's it can't be stopped to the point to where if they want to do this kind of thing, yeah, I, I mean they're going to do it. It goes back to the decisions. I mean, you make that choice. Can I prevent you from making that choice? It, no, I really can't. Can I help lessen the chances? Maybe in, in my profession, maybe. Maybe they see me and they decide, uh, I'm not going to run the risk. I don't want to get confronted before I have the chance, so I'm not going to do it today. And, and if we can keep doing that, um, I think that that will help. Ultimately, in my opinion, we need more cops. Why? More presence, more people out there, like the school shootings and that stuff. Um, more of us on site there. Because the, those, as you said, cowards earlier, they don't, they're not going to come to the police station and do it they, because they know that there's a bunch of people with guns that are going to retaliate against them. They go against unarmed victims. They're looking for the easy targets. So if we put ourselves to where, and I'm, and I'm not saying that we need to get militaristic in or militant, that type of environments, um, but if there's more cops around, you're less likely to go do it. So, so we need more money to hire more cops, give them pay raises to make them want to become cops. Just like we need to pay teachers more to make Absolutely. them want to become teachers to educate our kids and the youth of our communities and societies. 
you say that if there's more cops or somebody's not going to come up and shoot up a cop station, but they'll sneak up on a cop or open fire on cops, which is going on more and yep. more these days. Yep. So as a police officer of 14 years with a wife and a daughter at home, depending on you to, to bring home the, the bread and butter, which I know Lindy makes a good living too. I'm not saying that Lindy, so don't be calming and freaking out. Um, has it created a more of a sense of, worry in you to where, Hey, I wonder if I need to retire earlier. I wonder if I need to pick up another livelihood or a different profession is Lindy putting pressure on you of saying, Hey, I don't want you going to work. Is your daughter sad when she sees you going to work? Is it, is it put a sense of fear into your family personally that this is happening and that you kids are seeing it. Kids are hearing yeah. about it. There's police shootings all over the country now. For me, it doesn't, I mean, I go in and be diligent in, in my safety. Um, so just paying attention to what I'm doing a little bit more, but it doesn't, it doesn't deter me from wanting to go do my job. Um, my wife knows, Lindy knows, um, Hey, if, if it's my time, it's my time. If I'm doing what I need to be doing, um, I'm probably going to lessen the chances. Um, but I don't think, I mean, not like I need to retire. Um, my daughter's sad when I go to work only because she wants to play around with me, wants me to go do stuff with her. But she knows, I mean, it's, it's my job. I, I'm, I'm out there to go do what I need to do for the community. What I've, what I've taken a position to do, um, I've made that choice. Um, and, and I'm sure it's hard for certain families, like, hey, you probably should not go do this job. Okay, I get that. It's respectable. I get that you don't want to put yourself in that situation. Um, somebody's got to do it, ultimately. So I don't think it's, I don't, I mean, it's definitely higher. I think the, the, the violence. So are you watching your back more today than you did t five years ago, six, eight years ago? Are you parking your car in different places? Are you watching as you approach your lunch place that you're going to eat? Are you, are you, are you making it like you just said, if you're going to go to a concert as public, you need to make sure that you kind of have a better idea of if this happens, I'm going to do this. Well, when you're drinking beers at, at WeFest in Minnesota, Wisconsin, wherever it is, and you're hammered drunk going to see Luke Bryan in Florida, Georgia line, if you're that guy, um, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> you're you're not really thinking about an escape route. You don't have those military skills. You're not trained in that. You're yeah. just the freaking guy that bought a $79 pass for the two days you're to right. go watch freaking Gretchen Wilson sing about Jack Daniels. And I guess I look at it differently because of what I do. So there are days where like, if I'm going to those certain concerts, I'm like, mm, or I'm in a position where I'm like, ah, I'm just not comfortable. I might not drink. Um, I might carry, I might have my sidearm on me on those nights instead of drinking uh, to a concert you're going to you're going to think about I'm going to go to a concert and not see that that's terrible to well, me, to me, America's all about getting hammered. If you're going to go to a concert, I'm not saying like, you know, get belligerent, but it's about having some drinks and going and having a good time and freaking dancing and putting your, your, your lighter in the air and your fist in the air and rocking out to Axl Rose or, or, or that John Michael Montgomery or something on a Friday night. And I a hundred percent agree with you in that aspect, but not always do you have to have the alcohol to have that good time. So, I mean, there's times where I've gone out even with you. I don't drink and I, I'm like, okay, I'll, this is my role. I, I, as a police officer, even off duty, sometimes it's, hey, 
I'm going to be there. I'm sure people think I'm weird at some points because when I go to the school. But then you're living in fear. You just told me that you're, you're doing what you just told me I should. No, no, no. I'm not saying living in fear. but I, You're I'm, being responsible? I'm going prepared. Prepared. So you're thinking there's a chance I'm going to get smoked at this Cindy Lauper concert? I wouldn't say a chance that I'm going to get smoked. No, I'm going there prepared. Um, so like I, I will wait until our kids get in school, get in the actual classrooms. So I will stay on property until they get in class. Wait, now you're going, we're, we're at school now? Oh, yeah. Well, what about a concert? You're saying that you're not going to go drink at a Thompson Twins concert in Depeche Mode. Let's say Thompson Twins open for Depeche Mode. Mm-hmm. You're saying that you're going to go to that not. sober? I might not. No. But you, but that's not, that's not what I'm, my point. My point is, is that you have the right to go have some adult cocktails and drinks oh, and go and have fun at that concert without living in fear. And the, in the, in the, the other ideology is that, Hey, anything could happen at any given time. Absolutely. You could get in a head on collision at that time. I get that. I understand that my car might get a flat tire mm-hmm. and flip over the medium and, 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 and that happens. But the mindset that somebody can bring a gun in there and open fire on a bunch of individual party goers and concert goers is my point. That is bullshit. That it's almost to the point to where it's happening consistently now. In my, it, it, to me, it seems like it's consistently happening on at least a few times a year to where nightclubs and concerts and school, all these things are going on. And I'm just simply asking if we, if we don't promote them, if we don't show their faces, if we don't make them something that they're not, then is somebody going to be like, uh, what's the point? What's the point? Yeah, I agree with you there. I'm not, and I'm not saying like for you, you don't do what I do. Okay. So I'm only saying that for me, based on what I do that, yeah, sometimes I do. I, I go there carry more say I'm there to participate and have a good time and listen to the concert. But I'm also there kind of like, Hey, if, if it comes to it, that's, I mean, that's the reason we carry a gun as a police officer off duty. It's not so much to protect myself, too, but it's to protect everybody else that's out there. So if if I can go to the concert, I know, hey, I'm going to be the DD. I'm going to be the driver for the night. I, I carry my gun, and, I, and I'm 100% going, if something bad happens, I'm going to take action. I mean, there's there's been several cases, Chad, that we've had off-duty cops at the mall that are armed. And somebody's coming and started up, and they suppress the threat and lessen the impact on. Okay, that guy, that guy had the mindset of going in there and killing a bunch of people. And that's we the, took the fight to them, and they we ended it. Instead of them killing a whole bunch of people, no, he was just shooting at me. Me and him back and forth in a fight like that. Wouldn't that be great if that happened every time to where Absolutely. somebody had their piece on them when somebody broke into the Christmas party and they got down below behind the Xerox and smoked them before they smoked 14 more people. Yes, that's awesome. But when you're going to a concert, that's the last thing on your mind. But now what you're saying is that people in today's society, when they put their Wranglers and Justin boots or Ariats on and that belt buckle that they wear once a year at the rodeo, Rhinestone Cowboys, we have we have to be thinking in the back of our mind, hey, guys, tonight we need to really be watching out. We need to be watching our the, the elevations and seeing if there's people around because you know we have our family with us. We're going we we are gonna go watch Lionel Ruffy, Lionel Richie, Lionel Ruffy. <laughs> that's another you know, that's another law, you know, and another thing in America is that whole thing with going on, but Lionel Richie singing Dancing on the Ceiling or whatever it's called. We have to make sure that we watch our six too. 
Well, I, I guess I guess where I'm getting at is I do that. I, I think that way all the time because not so much is that they're going to shoot you or something, whatever. Like, hey, you're walking down an alley. Why the hell are you walking down the alley? Like, your situational awareness, there's guys following you. Because there is evil in the world. There's, huh? e- there's evil out there. So whether they're going to try to mug you and steal all your stuff from you, you're putting yourself in a situation. And, and I'm not saying going to the concert that you're putting yourself in a situation. I'm saying be conscious of where you're at and what you're doing. And, hey, things that hey, – that guy's suspicious. Like, he stands out like a sore thumb. Like, he's not – Why? To be here. Why? Um, maybe he isn't sitting because he doesn't have because because well, he doesn't have his belt buckle on his rhinestone cowboy costume. Well, how does he stand out? Because when I go to a country concert, I have I have some different kind of pants and some fans on, and and maybe a, yeah, a, a different T-shirt. I, I maybe I don't look like a cowboy. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying like they stand out in that aspect, like they're just not dressed, but. They're not having. They're not paying attention to the concert. They're so not, now, instead of you having a good time, you're concentrating on this dude that's a weirdo. Sometimes I get uh, it. For me, I do. So like my wife thinks I'm weird in the aspects of certain. When I first started, we would go to the mall or whatever, and I would constantly like, like I'm looking at people. Do you think that having that approach has made it? Has has given you the ability to assess the situation and say and put your family in, in better circumstances as far as, you know, hey, we're going to walk this way or we're not going to drive that way or we're going to take ourselves. Absolutely. I don't think it's worth going to this game or I'm not going to go to that tailgate party because I know that these two fraternities are really fighting. I don't want to be involved in that. Absolutely. So you, you think that that approach is more of like if you have a different mindset and you think about it more, mm-hmm. you can take some of the some of the better precautions and you can take some of the opportunity or, or potential out of a situation. When I go into like my wife knows by now, after doing 14 years of being a cop, I will sit in certain areas when we go into restaurants so that I can see everything. Makes sense. It's just weird. Like, that's just, and I'll tell you right now, I guarantee you if you ask 90% of the buddies that I work with, they would tell you, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I sit in the corner to where I can see the entire area. So maybe, maybe it's worth, you know, regular human beings that aren't police officers yeah. or trained combatant or military, militia, you know, military force that, to go take a self-defense course, go take a, a course of, of concealed carry or stuff like you just said, like, hey, you could put yourself in a position to spot, you know, spot danger quicker so you can make a more educated decision of preventing it, saving people's lives, saving your family's life, saving your own life. Um, I guess in a nutshell is that there's really, it's just so hard. It's, it's a hard topic. You know, it is. it's, it's, you, I don't want to get down into, there's no right and wrong in a lot of this stuff, man. And that's the hard part about it. And the, the right and wrong and what you should be doing, Chad, at a concert. You should be there enjoying yourself and being in a concert. Me personally, there's sometimes I take a step back and I just don't look at it in that aspect. Like I'm looking at, I'm here to help everybody else that's here because that's the professional that I've chosen. Even when you're off duty. Even when I'm off duty. And see, that's, and I, and I like that. I just think that it's not going to, I don't think that you can ever assume. It's good that we have guys like you that are off duty that are going to be watching our backs. But I think that for the most part, people that, that are going to pay to go see Brooks and Dunn mm-hmm. open up for Alan Jackson on a Friday night. That'd be awesome are not going to be thinking mm-hmm. the way that you're trying to tell me that we 
might want to think. And it's not to say that we shouldn't. I agree. Like I, I, I've got to the point now to where I'm, and, and that's why I said, is it paranoia? Am I like, am I too much or am I just being ready? Because it really is happening out there. Mm -hmm. People are, I mean, I never know if you're going to be in an olive garden. Some dude got, you know, fired the week before for not putting enough cheese on some dude's salad or whatever. I'm not trying to make light of the situation, but it's almost like people get fired. It's a big deal. You got fired. It's not worth going and shooting the place up. Absolutely. You got bullied at school. Big deal. Deal with it. Go do some push-ups and then go get in a boxing class and learn how to fight. And then the next time you get bullied, knock the dude out. Oh, is that wrong to say too? You shouldn't teach somebody how to fight and defend themselves. Yeah, you should. There, you got to, but you don't go shoot up innocent people that had nothing to do with it. Nope. And now it's almost like the people that aren't responsible for the certain act that got that person to think like that, they're the ones that are in harm's way as well. And that's not right. Absolutely. That's not right to me. So I don't know. I, it's all, you, you were taking a chance. I mean, there's a chance that people hear what we say and I want to be able to voice our opinion and say how we feel of, uh, that we should be able to defend ourselves and that people don't deserve second chances all the time that hurt people or put people in harm's way. And you just don't know where, People are going to look at you in different ways for having different opinions on everything. And I think that it's okay to have the opinions that we have. Yeah. Um, being a police officer, I think, is a huge responsibility. I think that you, there is good cop, bad cop. I think that there, you've said it yourself that there are and that it, that it shouldn't be that way, but that's just the way it is. But there's also good people and bad people in every instance in life. You just have to figure out your way to maneuver through that and find and understand that there is going to be a chance that something bad is going to happen. Somebody's going to be evil. Somebody's going to be nice. Somebody's going to have your back. It's, it's just the way society is now. It's the way it is. And to, to put it, you know, I, I, it's hard to finish up a conversation like this because I feel like we've left so many questions unanswered because there's no, like you said, there's no right answer. I just, I, I don't, I'm not trying to scare people. I'm not trying to tell people that I'm scared. I'm just trying to say like, we shouldn't have to be in that. You shouldn't have to be, be in that state of mind, but maybe it is that time in our lives now or in our, in our, in our, in the way that our world turns now that we do have to be more prepared and more vigilant or more, you know, watch, you know, watch our backs a little bit more and figure out what, if this happens, we're going to do this. I, I, I want to be the guy that helps protect people, but you can't always be that guy. You, you, um, I, I guess that it's one of those things to where, there are a lot of open-ended questions. There are a lot of unanswered questions. And I guess with each individual, they're going to have their own opportunities or their own instances or their own experiences. And we, we're going to, that's the way, that's the way the world is now. We have, if, if, if we don't get a die of natural causes, we might get killed in a car wreck. If we don't get killed in a car wreck, we might get, you know, we might be part of a crime or a, or a, or a, a, a murder or a, a fire that takes place that, that is caused by natural. A lot of people have lost their lives in California this last week by natural causes of fire and, and, and houses burning down. And there's, there's just a lot that goes on in our world, in our communities, in society that we have to be prepared, prepared for. We have to be ready for, and it's a whole other conversation on how to get ready 
How do you, how do you defend yourself against a big fire like that or defend your property and have it ready for it or a hurricane or a natural disturbance like that? There, it's, it's a hard conversation to end talking to a police officer of almost 15 years to know like what's right to say, what what is it stereotyping? Am I saying the wrong thing? Can I piss somebody off or offend somebody? Is it okay to offend somebody? It's, it, yeah, speech and debate. I mean, Paul, you have that right. You have the right. Can you can you say something that might not be what it is? But common sense tells me that I shouldn't use the f word in a Denny's a hundred times mm-hmm. when I when the people next to me might not like that language. Well, it's my right to say the f word. Yeah, I know, but ethically and morally. Just know that go, it go. goes back to that ethically and morally. Your parents instilled that into you, and so that's why you don't do it. Some parents don't. Do so it. it started with us talking about Denny's and cussing yeah. at a table. It goes back to parenting, and then and parenting, and then we go full circle to mass murders and school shootings. Parenting. And it's all about parenting and and being and and teaching your kids the right way and and, and giving them enough rope to hang themselves and hoping that they don't not being a micromanager and being all up in their shit every day, but making sure that you show them the ropes and and say, Hey, this is the way that I see this. It might not be the right way exactly how to do, but it's the way that I did it and it worked, whatever. There's different ways of parenting, but you got to do something. We all learn from our mistakes. I mean, every single one of us has made a mistake in our life and for the most part, most of us have suffered some sort of consequence for that, and we learn from it. I mean, every day, that's part of growing up, but making and being a, a, a contributing factor to society because you've made that conscious effort, I think that's where it starts. When you're in the precinct and you're in the office and you're in the locker room getting your uniform on and you're ready to go out there, is it a lighthearted conversation? Is it, uh, are you messing around? Are you pranking your other, your fellow officers? Are you messing around with your commander or and your lieutenants? Is it, is it lighthearted or is it, man, we got to be ready today, guys. And is, is it, or does everybody know once we're out there and we're on the beat, you know, it's time to be serious. We got to, we got to make sure that because I'm sure it's like that. I mean, to, like, go back to when you played sports, getting ready and all that stuff, a little, you know, grab ass, whatever, making jokes and that. But when you walked onto the field, it was go time. game time. Like, so that, I mean, for the most part, I would say we have to be lighthearted because we see such the worst of some people and the worst situations. Um, you kind of have to make light of things. You would go crazy. I think in this job profession, if you took everything so drastically seriously, I mean, we, we are, we are a weird breed in that aspect that we can, we make jokes about stuff that really aren't that funny because that's how we deal with, that's how we cope. So I, I think when we're in the creek seat and we're, when we're in the station, we're getting ready. We're making jokes. We're goofing off. We're making fun of each other. We're jabbing at each other. Um, but when it's time to hit the street, we flip the switch or when we go to a call, we flip that switch. So me asking you to go have the salad bar at the blue oyster bar tonight. Like that's, is, is that, is that, is that like the kind of joke and you're yeah. talking about, like, oh, it's absolutely. okay to be Tackleberry and, oh, and, 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 and Steve Gutenberg and the, you know, the greatest, I think there were seven, six or seven police academies. Like we talk about a lot of serious things that comes with a lot, but then you have, you have that ideology of, is there really Tackleberry with all the guns? And then Michael Winslow making all the sounds and Bobcat Goldsway with the crazy voice and all that, like hundred 
percent. So you'll go into a cafe and see who can drink a whole bottle of syrup. Uh, I haven't tried that one yet, but there will be. There, I mean, there's weird stuff. So is there somebody at your office that's nicknamed Farvara? No, Farvara. 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 Want a liter of cola? <laughs> is this for a cop? But you know, there. That, that's the thing about you. You. It's a serious lifestyle. It's a serious yeah. responsibility. But you can't take it serious all the time. You still got to mellow out. But man, you got to be on guard. And now, as just a regular person in society, it's probably a good idea. Yeah. To learn how to defend yourself learn different things that could happen in different instances and situations, know what you're going to do if this happens or that happens. There's nothing wrong with being prepared, but it all starts with taking that step and saying, you know what? I'm going to get prepared because this is happening. It's real freaking life. Don't take it for granted that you're not going to be in that situation in a theater that something bad goes wrong. It might not be a shooting, but it might be a fire. How are you going to get it? So learn how to defend yourself, take responsibility for it. And as police officers, you know, you're taking on a huge responsibility. It's not like you just go, you know, I'm going to go make $70,000 a year being a, you, you got to take on that responsibility of being a cop and defending people and, and, and serving the community. You might have to get a cat out of a tree one day. The next day you might be in a no, freaking SWAT situation. We call the fire department for the tree, for the cat. Really? Yeah. But you're there. And we watch it. We take photos. <laughs> you do? To use against the fire department? No. But man, I appreciate you being here. Like I said, I it's, a, it's, it's a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of open-ended things and discussion points because I, I have my views. I, I really do. I have my thoughts on what people, you know, sh the way they should be and the way you should raise your kids. But if I voice them, then people go, you have no right to say that. And I'm, well, I do have a right to say it. And I do have a way to think the way I think. But I also don't want to always be the guy on the soapbox saying, you know, if we'd have done this, this wouldn't have happened. I, I just think that, you know, starting it at a young age, knowing that it's not okay to mark up somebody's private property or steal somebody's car or say the F word when there's a, a group of people that have been looking forward to that Denny's dinner all night. I just think that that that's not right. Now are mistakes made. Yeah. But when I was growing up, I wasn't allowed to cuss in front of my mom. I wasn't allowed to cuss in front of my elders. I wasn't allowed to disrespect them. And, and I think it paid dividends. I really do think, and am I a little bit more lenient on my kid, my daughter, that, than my dad probably was on me? Probably a little bit, but I also know that I'm doing things that my dad didn't do with me that might benefit her in ways. Yeah. And it was just different back then. Um, I'm a, I have a little bit more freedom to be, you know, to do a little bit more than my dad working 70, 80 hours a week. Now there's always different situations, but one thing's for sure is that I was brought up in a disciplined area and disciplined atmosphere of, Hey, there's going to be consequences if you do this. And then when, if I got suspended or I got in a fight in school and if it, if it was my fault, you damn well know that I was going to be in trouble. Absolutely. And I think that it's caught, it's, it's taught me, um, that there is a right way to live. And it's prevented me or helped me discipline myself to not go over the speed limit a lot and not be, cause disturbances and be rowdy and dr drink and drive and do stupid shit. Being a contributing factor to society. Yeah, and I think, I think you're right, Woodward, Woodward, is that it does start at home. It does start with the parenting. And how do we get parents to parent right? And the people that aren't just a parent, how do we not let them? I don't know. Does everybody deserve the right? I guess they do. But that's the, that's another question is like, do they deserve the right to parent if they're a detriment to society? Don't know, but they are, they're parenting. We just have to figure out how to maneuver our way through this crazy thing we call life. And I guess the best thing that we can do is do our best, prepare ourselves to the best, 
listen to a lot of Dwight Yoakam on a Friday night with a cocktail and try to get to as many hunting camps and, and raise our kids in hunting camp. And, and we didn't even really talk about hunting. We could have a whole conversation. Well, a whole different conversation. <laughs> conversation. Yeah. But it was great. You know, it's a conversation, and that's why I do it because we're not. I'm not trying to solve the world's problems. I'm just trying to see what's what's going on out there. And and I don't even know if you listen. If people listen to what we talked about, almost the last two hours, they're going to be like, "Oh yeah, they, I, I'm just tr- having. I just have discussion points. I'm not trying to say that that there's a right way to do things. Or you know, and, and hopefully people understand that it's just a discussion. And I got a lot out of it, and that's what I was in it for. And I want to do it again because I want to learn a lot more about the law on, you know, maybe we bring in an attorney and say, Hey, you know, as a defense attorney, I'm going to defend this case like this. There's that. I just want to learn those different mentalities and I want to be a a sponge and, and, and absorb as much, you know, knowledge as I can. But this life ain't for everybody. Again, you know, Jared Woodward's a cop, Reno police department, 14 going on 15 years. He's an outdoorsman. He's a conservationist, a hunter, a fisherman, a shooter, gun rights, family man, husband, father, son, and and he's a good friend to our family. And that's all. That's all that you know. We were trying to get out of this is that he lives a different life than I do. He lives a different life than my brothers do. A lot of people that I know, I don't know a lot of police officers. I'm glad to know him, and I know that he goes. He takes it very seriously every day that he puts that badge and uniform on. And if you don't, then you shouldn't be a cop. You shouldn't be a public servant. If you're a firefighter, if you're an EMT, if you're a, 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 a school security guard, there's a responsibility that comes with that. And you got to do it to the fullest. It's not going through the motions. It's bullshit that if you do take on that responsibility and go through the motions, in my opinion, he doesn't. And I know that a lot of people in the police force, most of them do not. And that's why that they're doing that. They're taking on that responsibility to, to defend our communities every day and make sure that we're safe. So when you see one, tell them thank you for what you do understand what people in uniform are doing for us and that it's not a joke it's a it's a serious lifestyle and responsibility that they're taking on chad belding for jared woodward you got any last words you got any last things that you want to say you want to rap you want to sing a song (laughs) we talked about police academy super troopers the first 48 cops bad boys bad boys what you gonna do what you there's a lot of you know there's there's a fun part of the job but there one thing's for sure it's serious every time you go out on the beach absolutely um I don't even know if I can name the best cop show of all time. There's a lot of good ones with Law and Order, Bar- Bernie, Bernie, Barney, Barney, Barney the Miller. Barney no, Barney Miller. It was Barney Miller. I'm trying to think of cop shows, but yeah. Anyway, guys, there's it's 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 one of those to- topics and discussions that I want to get into. We will will revisit it again for Jared Woodward. I'm Chad Belding. This life ain't for everybody. Podcast. Thank you so much for all the support of the podcast as well as the foul life and all of our entities. Tom, will you please play that song by Mr. Leith Lofton, a.k.a. Haas, What You Gonna Do When the Money's All Gone? Thank you all very much. When the money's all gone Say life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do when the money's all gone